0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 133, up at The Punisher, season one, episode 12, the penultimate episode of the season, Home. Now are a lot of people saying to to But I'm going to tell you what to do. When you ain't got no more, you got me. hello there fellow defenders this is defenders tv podcast episode 133 we're talking about the penultimate episode of the punisher season one entitled home i'm one of your hosts derek hi i'm one of your other hosts john and rounding out the group i'm chris and sadly, that's it. That's the only audio we have from Chris for this episode. Um, unfortunately, his recorder didn't work and uh, provided us with an unusable track for him. I've tried to re-edit the episode uh, to remove the pieces that we couldn't hear from Chris. So sorry we couldn't share his thoughts. He really really did enjoy the episode overall. Hopefully he'll be back with us with a better recording next week for the finale. Good to be here for, the, for another episode of The Punisher, and we're almost at the last episode. Yes, the
1: Bloody Mary of podcasts, this one lots of blood (laughs) and a strong vodka required as well oh yes definitely
0: uh we could have been on whiskey watch for this one just with the amount that we probably all needed after watching this episode
1: oh big time i thought this was a really good episode but wow um like having to watch it twice uh one just to kind of get that feel for it the second time obviously to make some more detailed notes um yeah it was a little bit of a toughie it got nasty in the disused power station and then it got even worse
0: yes yes it did and many other reasons as well there's a couple of other things that we'll be talking about as we go into our top five notes for our war journal this week um not just the violence there was lots of other stuff going on in the episode wasn't it it was there i don't
1: know i was just freaked out by the
0: violence Absolutely well if you want to get in contact with us about your thoughts about the Punisher, you can always pop over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash defenders TV podcast or you can email us at feedback at dot com with your thoughts about the full season uh, when we go to record our final episode next week we hope to hear some of your thoughts about the about the season in full
1: yes and of course you can send through your voicemails to us over at our website at defenders tv com just head on to the right hand side and click The voicemail. And you can leave up to 90 seconds of voicemail. Don't be shy. Come on, your dulcet tones are roaring to get on the
0: airwaves. And while you're over on the website, just make sure you do subscribe to the podcast. We'll obviously have loads more coverage coming up uh, after we finish our Punisher review. We have the Black Panther coming uh, in February. And then we're coming back with another Defender series with Jessica Downs Season 2. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any good or evil podcast catcher just by going through DefendersTVPodcast.com.
1: Yeah, Derek, with that, do you want to give us the lowdown with some of the
0: episode details? Yep, this episode was written by Dario Scar uh, He also wrote episode four of The Punisher, Resupply. Um, he's worked on TV shows like The Bridge and Trauma. We did talk about a bit of ex- his experience back on episode four of The Punisher. Uh, this episode was directed by Jet Wilkinson, and we have discussed her before as well. Uh, during her, our work on Iron Fist, she did episode nine, The Mistress of All Agonies. The reason why you may remember talking about her, particularly Chris, uh, she hails from Sydney, Australia, and has directed about 200 hours of TV, including Hone Away. And didn't it also give us Lewis for this season as well? Yes, it did. John, do you want to tell us what they both gave us with your synopsis for this episode? Sure.
1: Frank makes a damning confession to Madani as he admits to his crimes in Kandahar under Rawlins. At the same time, with the countdown clock ticking, him and Micro prepare to swap themselves in exchange for Sarah and Zach's release and the vital information to unlock Micro's computer containing all their files on Cerberus, Russo and Rawlins. At the hostage swap, a shootout leaves Sarah wondering what to believe as her dead husband is apparently killed again in the crossfire as Homeland agents arrive to disrupt the exchange. But Frank is knocked out and taken by Russia's men back to the abandoned power station to be interrogated. At Homeland Security, David Lieberman is reintroduced to his family as it is revealed that his second death was a ruse planned by him and Madani so he could reunite with his family. For Frank, things get worse, as Russo interrogates him and gets him to unlock the computer, allowing them to destroy all of the files, in return for a quick death at the hands of Russo. But Rawlins arrives and goes in for the kill, once and for all, as he brutally tortures Frank, wanting his own slice of revenge. As things turn nasty, Rawlins missteps, verbally attacking Russo as a grunt, With the promise of a quick kill for Frank and their unwritten marine code, Russo helps Castle to get free, who then extracts his bloody and brutal retribution against Rawlins and his eyes. Russo then tries to kill Castle, but Dina Madani arrives in time after being tipped off to their location by Lieberman. She manages to get a shot off, shooting an injuring or so as he bolts for an escape from the homeland agents closing in. On the floor, the scary, beautiful man, Frank Castle, lies bloody, bruised, and battered. I'm waiting on an ambulance, right? I hope so. But hope so. no, no, he he can't go to hospital. Oh, hospitals are just like cops. Yeah, that? basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He he needs a bit of personal TLC. I wonder if it will be the Night Nurse. Probably not, um, because I don't think she can be. But nonetheless, it could
0: have been. It could be. It could be. We will see in the next episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it is kind of one of those things where, you know, he he really doesn't look to be in any fit state to to be chasing after uh, Russo. Stabbed, beaten you name it. Broken, yes. Uh, pretty broken. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I
0: reckon the next episode is th- they're going to be a good old foot chase. Yes, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, good snaps for this episode, John. really liked it. Uh, particularly liked your moment about Sarah wondering what to believe when her dead husband is apparently killed again. Uh, <laughs> a nice little moment there. Uh, kind of forget that David's uh, been killed twice and resurrected from the dead uh, twice in one season. That's pretty impressive for anybody, really. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that is that more than anybody else in all of the Netflix shows so far? Or is maybe Electra,
1: maybe? No, I think he is the um he's the only one, I think. Luke Cage though was pretty close. And Electra and an Oh I, yeah, and all of the hands, And an iron fist as well. Many yeah, members of the hands, Absolutely. Too, yes, yes. To be honest, that black goo uh, and its resurrection properties um seems quite a long uh, way off now actually. <laughs> But I think we should get into our top five war journal entries with point number one. The confession in all good uh, Daredevil type uh, escapades. We get a confession here, not in a confession box and not with a priest, but with uh, Dina Madani. As Frank really reveals all and admits to his um, involvement in Severus, he spills the beans on Rawlins scoon over monty basically says that russo was also part of that team mm-hmm. but importantly he admits to the being the marine that pulls the trigger in that video to kill uh zubair yeah what a shocker for madani. and i have to say like there are a few moments in this episode i just loved that little focus in on madani as that kind of Uh, punch to the gut really hits home. I think she's been thinking it's been Russo, certainly after what's happened with Stein. I I love that moment. It was just such a great bit of gradual zoom in and close up on,
0: on madani um, yeah. and pulled off so well really good Yeah, it was almost a Hitchcock kind of push in to her face as she realizes that things aren't as clean as she thought they were going to be once she gets frank in i uh, love that he just kind of says you know I, I told you this was going to be dirty i told you that this was, this was going to be the case um but she didn't believe him because she thought that it was either going to be russo or rollins of course
1: yeah um well he what does he say Yes, it demeans us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, So, you know, Frank knows the gravity of, of what he uh, has done. And I mean, like what, in some of the earlier episodes when we had the flashbacks to the Operation Cerberus, there was that moment where he says, well, as long as it's been signed off by the Senate committee, um, you know, I'll do whatever my country tells me to. So right. there is also that aspect of Frank being sort of
0: misled about, the genuine nature of that that operation and he is really callous about it he says this is not the first time they did it. it wasn't the last or i think it might have been the last but he says it's not the first time they did this to many many others beforehand pulling zubair out in front of his family and with his children screaming for him his wife screaming for him and they go and do the thing that they're told to do and taught to do by rollins so um, so he doesn't he it's not that he isn't sad about doing it it's just at the time he felt like this was no different an operation than any of the other operations that they had been involved in before and within these confession scenes, we also get great moment with David as well, where we see that David has changed. It's a nice little reflection between
1: uh, Lieberman and uh, Madani's characters here that, you know, they're starting to question. And maybe she's not, actually. Maybe she's just torn in the sense that she as much wants to get Russo as probably Frank from a law enforcement point of view, maybe. Um, so I, I think that's really interesting. And you really see it on her face Both, I think, in that interview at Homeland Security, uh, but also when she does come in at the end and she's kind of looking down at uh, Frank, she doesn't seem to be rushing to do much. Um, She seems to just be stirring. Um, It's kind of interesting reaction.
0: Absolutely. And I do love that call out from David, as you said, John, that moment where he's saying to her, I did trust the system. This is where it got us to because I trusted the system. Rollins got on the track of, of Frank. My family almost got killed. Um, I, o- I almost got killed because of doing everything. So effectively, he's blaming Madani for everything that's happened so far. Everything else is a consequence of him sending the tape to Madani and it getting leaked within her organization. So she also has this moment where she's not trusting what uh, what's going on in her own organization as well. So once again, being reiterated to her that it's it's not something that he feels she can protect him from that's why he's going to stick on frank's side uh, but let's go on to the, the second point or our, our exchange that was arranged by david so this is the whole culmination of the plan of david is to get them swapped for his wife and kids like this whole concept going back to what we saw earlier on in the season with david's uh, david's computers in his uh, in his hideout that are set with timers uh, and can only be switched off by Either David or, or Frank being taken so um, I love this little idea that we've already seen the play out so we know what's we know what's happening with them and that this is David's plan to get Frank back on the inside and back with uh, back with Billy Russo. It's almost—it's almost like this is just the plan of David to attract them to the computers to show them that there's something really important on here. There's a countdown clock on it, and it's got the uh, the video from uh, from Kandahar on there. So you guys really want to get into these computers, <laughs> you know? It's almost like a real highlighting moment. It doesn't tell you what happens at the end of the countdown clock, and the countdown clock's very long as well as we as we pointed out last week. It's it's in hours, like it's in twelve hours or something when it starts off, you know. So. It doesn't feel like anything was going to happen at the end, like we thought was going to happen. It just feels like it was it was trying to give them a countdown that they only had an X amount of time to get into these computers. It's it's their way of encouraging them to to do the exchange quickly, take Frank in uh, in with them, and then allow Frank to do his work if he can.
1: And it, it seems as though ultimately the computers are a red herring in in, in many respects. It, it's some it's a distraction for Rawlins and Russo because they've ultimately got Frank's confession on tape from what i understood from uh micro talking with madani is that she will still get all her tapes that he had previously given her and she hadn't uh, been able to do anything with so i i wonder whether there's a bit of a a red herring there from them um, but yeah i think we still have to to see um maybe what's happened so there was certainly a lot of code coming up on, on the screen but Uh, This exchange was really good. I I, I loved how uh, Frank was really just having to prep micros. He was walking towards his wife Mm -hmm. and kid. Just the shock on their face. I thought it was just really well done. And I mean, you know, just to throw it out there, did you think that David Lieberman may have died for good there? Um, I have to say, I actually didn't. I kind of thought it was going to be another... Another ruse. Um I I thought he was gonna come back alive. Right. I'm glad that he did. And I would have been devastated if he didn't.
0: But yeah, did you think it was the end of David Lieberman in that in that moment? For me it's something that the shows have never really shied away from as killing a major character in the show, you know. So I think that kinda had me set on edge a little bit. And also the moment when sarah reaches out touches his arm the camera goes into slow-mo and then that's that's a great final moment for those two characters if they never meet each other again then what a sad way that they just saw each other just before he died so i kind of was taken back when he came back out of the body bag but absolutely delighted to be honest yeah it would have been brutal
1: if it had the other thing i really enjoyed actually was russo looking through his sight on his sniper rifle mm. uh, to look over david lieberman's body you know, he'd seen three bullet wounds, seen blood, um, probably checking to see whether he was breathing. Because for a moment I was thinking, and he's going to shoot him to f- make sure that he's dead. You know, if yeah. he thinks he's dead and he wants him to be, and he's not going to be able to get him back to help with the computer and unlock all the, the data and whatever inside the computer. I thought he was going to shoot David Lieberman here, and again, you just wondered whether he was going to take out Madani there as well, mm-hmm. but he just takes out the, the the tires so that the Homeland Security agents can't follow the van in in their in their
0: cars. Yeah, would have been a really dangerous gambit if Russo had seen David breathe, because then he definitely would be dead, big time. Yeah, yeah. and one other thing about David. I just thought because the character had been introduced as being a man who'd come back from the dead that they wouldn't do it twice in the series. I think that was a little bit of a misdirection for me, I suppose.
1: I think as well, I think if we move on to our War Journal point three, uh, the reunion of the Lieberman family. Was it nice? Was it cute? Did your heart melt?
0: I wish I had last week's podcast that I could just play back where Chris actually asked for Sarah to slap him. <laughs> He said there are many slaps due. I hope that's the first thing Sarah does when she sees him. And that's exactly what happens. But she's got that kind of, you know, that crossover of being happy that he's back and not actually dead. And obviously being angry that he left her. Yeah, I thought it was really quite good, this
1: reunion. I think it was really nice to see sort of Zack being the one that kind of had held back from going over to his dad. But ultimately... Once there was the Lieberman group hug going on, uh, that he came in and and joined them, uh, and the same with Leo. Again, I think these two um, actors, sort of just their expressions of having to deal with such a massive emotional uh, roller coaster, especially Zach, because he's you know, it's first of all seeing Mum throw a few slaps uh, at David, uh, but then you know. It all kind of comes back to to the love that they had for one another, and and, and that emotional pull. Um, and to see Leo and Zach come over, I thought was really really cool. And I, I think the other great thing about this was that you know you saw various stages of this where effectively it's almost like the emotion just exhausted them, and that they're, mm-hmm. they're there asleep in that same room a bit later on. Um, and and you have David saying that you know he's got a lot of explaining to do. Um, And I have to say, it was really funny where he said he basically lived in a basement in his bathroom for a year. uh, And she just bursts out laughing Mm -hmm. and says, you look like it effectively because he's like a complete scruff back. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a really good little reunion because, yeah, I mean, that's a difficult thing to ever happen. So um, getting that balance right, I think, is kind of difficult. And I I, I really liked how it really came to a, a Lieberman Family hug, Absolutely. basically. There was enough brutality, I think, uh, in this episode for everyone to, to, yeah. to uh, sort of allow this moment of of, of positive
0: emotion exactly I think. exactly and it is the it is the earned moment we've been waiting for it all season for him finally to get back to his family and i don't think we're going to get a huge amount more with sarah and and the kids i think we might get another parting shot maybe next episode but um but i think that's the moment that you kind of needed just having a little bit of happiness as you say uh, in the episode but this is also the moment where we realize after he's had the reunion with his family he now goes and tells madani that it's only Frank that he owed. He's never owed Homeland Security anything. He's used them to get his family back and now given Frank the chance to take on Rollins and Russo. Whether that's a successful plan or not, he doesn't really know, but he just wanted to give Frank the chance to do it, uh, which I think is quite interesting that he set it up that way. It's not that, he's, it's not that he's loaded up the his home base with loads of gadgets for Frank to go and take down Rollins and Russo. He's basically saying, I've put him in the position, which is where he wants to be. And if he wins, he wins. If he doesn't, i've I've done everything i can
1: yeah i mean i think the great thing here as well is when he kind of pushes madani over to say give us your computer as he logs in to her computer (laughs) uh with no problem so that he can access his his own video cameras you know in that moment where he realizes okay i do now need to unhide
0: where frank is yeah um, because he's in deep doo-doo Yes, he is. But I do love that moment with Medalli where she just goes, you've got my password? And he goes, you're about to be very happy that I do. <laughs> it's a nice, nice little, uh, nice little gag from uh, from uh, micro there. Uh, yeah, let's get on to the brutal interrogation to begin with, uh, as we get through our our point four of our war journal. Um this is really good to me. This is probably going from the start of the episode, really, all the way, all the way through, or the start of the interrogation all the way through. Um, this whole concept of the wedding dance with his wife and the wedding night with his wife uh, and the conversation that he's having with her throughout the episode, I love this. This is probably the most touching thing I've seen on the show, especially because of how it starts to incorporate the interrogation into his memory and the moments where his wife is asking him, Are you home? Are you with me? Or are you going back to war? And now the war is being replaced by the interrogation and the battle with Rollins and with Russo. And effectively, as it builds over and over again and goes back to this, he gets bloodier and bloodier. And eventually he takes the choice to leave his wife behind and move on to this revenge attack that he's got on Rollins and Rousseau. I think this is perfectly played. Really enjoyed it. And the song is as Paul Weller's cover of uh, You Do Something to Me, which I've always loved back from when I heard it back in the 90s. So beautiful song, nice choice to kind of break up the brutality of the episode with these beautiful moments getting more and more brutal as Frank gets incorporated into the memories.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I I thought this was, you know, this was Frank's um version of the you know the Lieberman hug here. I really enjoyed how, as it moved through it, as you say, those different stages of his wedding. Then you suddenly then see that stark moment where he's there in a bloody vest with his wife. Yeah, and it's that moment where you know he's going. You know, is he going to go with her and 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 pass out of this world? to join her, uh, where she says is home, or where he's now saying, yes, you've gone, and he will always honour that, but now I'm home. And I, I love the moment actually right at the end where that is, I mean, barely audible, but he he says home, as um, David Lieberman is sort of over him trying to sort of get him to, come out of the unconsciousness that he's found himself in. Uh, but I thought this was really beautiful how it interspersed the fairly brutal interrogation and torture, to be honest, uh, by Rawlins with, I suppose, Frank's safe place. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's insulating him from uh, the interrogation. And I actually really liked how in this interrogation, you know, Frank does plant the seeds for ultimately Rawlins's downfall. You know, he's trying every technique just in the same way that Russo and Rawlins are to get those unlock um, access codes and the, and the retina scan. But Frank here, you know, I think you said... Uh, Derek when we're watching it you know it's kind of been underestimated here by Russo mm-hmm. and, and Rawlins you know in, in the same way that Rawlins even thinks that Russo is a grunt I think they both feel that Frank is and yet he sows the seeds um, for that honor amongst marines um, that code mm-hmm. uh, the idea that um, you know Russo will give him an honorable death it will be quick and it will be 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 by him not by rawlins and then you know that allows for that misstep when rawlins in his kind of blood frenzy his revenge frenzy really lashes out at billy um and uh, that does not end good for for rawlins so i i think that is really interesting sort of sort of that that two-way play in this interrogation abyss as well, I think. Russo is obviously the calmer of the two, but I mean Rawlins, I mean, yeah. He is on a mission. Uh, you know, he knows he's lost his position in CIA and he's gonna make Frank pay. And I mean it does get brutal. Quick question. Did those gloves have lead in them or something? Um, I presume they did. They had some kind of metal or, or whatever. But to begin with, I just thought it was gloves, you know. Um, but yeah, but that must have hurt his hands as well for
0: sure. They're his special torture gloves, as uh, as Frank points out. Did you get a pair of those freshly for me, or are these the same ones that you used to use in the army? Effectively, yeah. But
1: yeah, no, I definitely was thinking, okay, this guy hits hard, or I don't know, yeah, he's got rocks in his gloves or yeah. metal plates or something. But exactly.
0: um, Oh, but just remember, Diamondback was brought in for testing at the end of that show. He did stay alive, true. he was brought in for testing at the end of the show, so this could be weapons developed off the back of what Diamondback was doing. But, but yeah, it did just look like something that was, that was uh, just built for breaking some stone, like Frank Castle's um, unfortunate face that was yeah. getting in the way over and over again. Sadly, one of the unsalvageable pieces of the podcast just here where Chris asked us what we thought of Billy not actually pulling the trigger to kill Frank's family. But I just thought it was still a quite a good discussion point to keep in. I think it makes sense for Billy's character. Um, they've stripped a lot back from Billy over the course of the season um, to the point where you're kind of going, has he always just been lying to Frank? Are they Have they ever really been friends at all? So I kind of like that they brought back in that idea of he would never do that to frank's family that idea that he didn't know about it is also what pisses frank off obviously frank's still gonna go but you knew about it he could have picked up the phone and my my wife and kids wouldn't be dead um it's just as bad to frank whether he pulled the trigger or not as to whether he was involved or not or whether he sat back and just let it happen it's just as bad to frank but for me it kind of helps a little bit in billy not just being the most evil character that was ever created
1: yeah, and and the interesting thing is, is when Rawlins and Billy have their kind of little breakdown on set, you know, it it really is, he's like, you're the one that decided to go after him. Yeah. Like, he's suddenly blaming Rawlins for his sort of executive decision to, like, go, uh, like, we need to get rid of all the other members of of the Cerberus team that aren't in the actual no here. Um, whereas... You know, you're just there now going, if you hadn't, it wouldn't be an issue. Mm -hmm. In fact, Rawlins has painted this massive target on his back in the same way that Schoonover obviously had, and Monty as well as Russo. I mean, there's a, a really kind of twisted sort of sense of Honor I think coming from Russo uh, here he's maybe never really trusted Rawlins, but he knows he's been the paymaster, but as soon as Rawlins kind of points that out to him he he sort of defaults back to being you know one of the members of the unit, every man has each other's back hmm. that kind of thing uh, which is the way I kind of explain why he cuts the cord, I suppose, on, on the back as well to some extent. Right, right. Um, or he just simply wanted to get Rawlins out the way because you do see him sneakily take the gun. So if Madani and co. hadn't arrived in time, he would have had a clean shot. Allow Frank to get completely and utterly busted and lose all his energy I go after Rollins after the adrenaline shot. And um, so I don't know. Russo still potentially is pure evil. Um, but there is a twisted code of honor, whether it's do- he's doing it for genuine reasons or to make sure that he gets out of here alive. You know, certainly after seeing what happens, then it's interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Um, his kind of decision-making
0: here. Yeah. Anything else on, on the interrogation itself before we get on to our final point?
1: I think we should also spare uh, a thought for the um, the IT lady who probably got a bullet in the head unless she was um, saved by Homeland Security arriving just yeah. in the nick of time. But, uh, yeah, cer- certainly ominous uh, instruction from Russo to the, the two hefty blokes, you know, pay her in the normal way, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think pay her in the usual way does mean take her at the back and put a few bullets in her. That's unfortunate. Um, just one last note for me on the interrogation bit. Just a great line from Billy. Um, you're a revenant walking the earth not knowing you're already dead when he says that to Frank. Just a little bit quite interesting. because a revenant is a visible or animated corpse that haunts the living so just that idea that and it works really well in this episode that description of Frank that he's kind of walking between two worlds he still wants to be with his wife and kids even though they're gone he's still trying to hang on to their history yet he's haunting the living the people that caused this the people that killed his wife and family he's constantly walking around like a dead man with only one thing on his mind which is killing the people that killed his wife and and kids so i really thought that description from from billy russo of him was just perfect it was really apt
1: point five we definitely know that this
0: person it will not be a revenant no no definitely not the death of will rollins his final moments on the show this is Absolutely brutal. Like I, I think I sent a message to Chris just after watching this episode, just saying I've watched episode twelve. It is B O U T A L. That was I had to spell it out because it was too brutal to even put into a full word. Um, but I love this. We've already talked about Frank uh, ter- getting Billy and Rollins to turn on each other. This idea of him having a lack of honor, just brutality. This whole idea of him twisting Billy a bit, but slightly different opinion of what Billy was doing there John Uh, I think he was using Frank to take out Rollins because of how much rollins pushed him we know that billy thinks of himself as a self-made man pulling himself up by the bootstraps from the streets yet even after working with rollins with for this many years he's being called a grunt um but i think what he's doing is unleashing the tiger that is frank and then he just stands back staring at him like a psycho like he just stares at him and goes i love watching you work as frank takes out rollins in the most brutal way like a really psychotic moment from billy
1: yeah if Frank hadn't gotten Rollins in the heart the first time around, I think he got him about maybe six or seven times in that pit. Yeah. That was stabby, stabby, McStabby, followed by good WWF move, thumbs in the eyes. It was visceral. It was proper physical. It's certainly something to pull that level of sheer brutality and, um, yeah, the, the visceral nature of it. Like, I mean, it, it was, yeah, I know it was beautiful to watch. Absolutely. In terms of the, you know, the revenge comes in, but it was tough. Um, you know, it really was certainly second time around. Cause I was just like, cause Rollins is relentless as well. It's not even just Frank's unrelenting sort of hitting, and everything, you know, it's just so personal. The the sheer level of violence between these two people mm. against one another, um, that it's like, oh wow, okay, these guys absolutely hated one another.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he went for the eyes again. So he took one of his eyes five years ago when he was in the army, and now he takes both of his eyes and his life at the same time. So, uh, yet yeah, to totally get the poetry of of this, I am a horror fan. One thing I hate about doing these podcasts for the defenders is I'm constantly going, "Oh, the brutal, the brutality in Daredevil, the brutality in Daredevil season two. Oh, it gets even worse in in Punisher." I'm normally fine with uh, with horror movies and any type of horror, any type of violence, absolutely fine. This was just really brutal. It just really did stand out to me. Because I'm just probably not expecting them in these shows as much. So definitely first time yeah. I saw it a couple of months ago uh, was really brutal. And it hasn't changed all three times I've seen the episode so far one good thing i did love about the scene the one thing that i really enjoyed about it was the uh, the music that was playing over the top as frank was kind of breaking out and stalking down and taking down rollins seemed really like the 28 days later or 28 weeks later music uh, if you remember that in the movie there was a really cool um, kind of tone to it and it works really well in the scene i wonder if it was done by the same composer or whether it's a snippet of that music or if it was just inspired by it or something yeah it kind
1: of gets more urgent doesn't it yeah kind of yeah yeah, Well, as soon as you said it, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Definitely can sense and, and hear some of that 28 weeks
0: later music in there. Mm. If we have covered the brutality and bloody action that was going on in this episode and the reunions and all the lovely other nice stuff that was going on. Any notes on the episode?
1: Yeah, my only quick note is, as I said, there are a few touches of the camera here that I really liked. And it's in the same way as I was saying about um, how you know frank was using the two of them through having spoken with russo had that time with russo alone to you know ultimately you know set some seeds in there if there were any missteps that they they took on mm. but an- another part of that was it- it's great when billy is is talking with frank he's leaning over and so on and there's that moment where you see frank's eyes shift down and then the camera pa- pans back uh, and it's focus on frank but then the the, the whole uh, shot just focuses in on Billy's gun at his side. And just giving you that little hint that Frank is looking to see what he can do, how he might be able to do something, when he can do it. Yeah. And there were some really nice touches in that scene where, you know, just some of the camera play in terms of seeing how Frank was assessing that situation
0: from a, a military perspective. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Nice catch, yeah, yeah, really like that. uh, no the notes from me, I think we've talked about them as we went through the episode, so let's go on to our defense of the penultimate episode of the Punisher, home John, do you defend the penultimate episode of the Punisher?
1: I do. I give this five damned i t support ladies out of five <laughs> yes, where did those five ladies go to with were they seen again? Well, they went to that absolutely sort of edge of the seat, visceral revenge in terms of the interrogation and the, the Rawlins-Frank um, just interaction. Uh, just really, really good. Very brutal. And the thing is, the great thing about this show is it intersperses it with Frank's memory. You know, you, you get a real sort of completely opposite, absolute opposite end of of the extreme in terms of looking at frank's memory with um with his wife but even then i love how you know it's becoming the interrogation is becoming too much where he can't even hold on to that anymore and how it plays with whether home is in the real world with with micro and what he's got to do as the punisher or whether the real world is joining uh, his wife uh, in some kind of afterlife i thought it was really really good uh, and also just with the interplay of russo throughout this as well being manipulative um as much as frank is uh, stuck in in that and tied to that armchair um I love the reunion of the Lieberman family. You know, that was a real nice moment too. Um, and as well, I think Madani in in this episode, you know, the shock of Frank's admission is really, I think really good. Um, and I, I, think that coupled with David Lieberman and his toughness in confronting Madani about her own failings, uh, you know, and Madani having to confront her own preconceptions that it was um, Russo. I think she wanted it to be Russo, and it mm. ended up being Frank. And I think this is this is really good writing, really clever episode, and it brings so much of the the story together. Yeah, and I, I suppose let's run on in after uh, Russo for episode thirteen. But with that, Derek, do you defend this episode of The Punisher
0: Home? I absolutely defend this episode. Um, right back at the start of the show, we talked about the showrunner for the season being Steve Lightfoot. and We talked about his experience on previous shows. He'd worked on Hannibal, was our particularly notable point, because John had podcasted about Hannibal in the past. He's a big lover of the show, as am I. This episode really felt like a Hannibal episode here. To me, this is what it feels like the showrunner was building towards, uh, Steve Lightfoot, it feels like we have a mind palace in here where Frank has retreated from the beating that he's getting to live in this side world with his wife so that he doesn't feel the pain of what's happening in the real world. That's something that we saw in Hannibal with Hannibal Lecter himself. And we see it with Will Graham in that show as well. We also see the brutality that we saw in Hannibal and you both have called this beautiful brutality that's gone on in the episode, the actual beauty of what's happening, the, the, Uh, The fact that Rollins is being taken down by Frank, these are all things that would have worked quite well as a Hannibal episode and a really good reason for Steve Lightfoot to be here as the showrunner for the show. So this absolutely is an episode that I defend and would say if you've watched through the season and gotten to this point, you know why this is the right person for the Punisher. We weren't sure about it to begin with because you don't know how he's going to take it with Frank. Castle being quite a quiet guy in comparison to the characters that we had uh, in in Hannibal, who spoke a lot and talked a lot throughout those episodes. But I think Steve Lightfoot has managed this wonderfully, and the directors and the writers that he's brought on board to keep this keep this show going the way he wanted to is just has just been perfect.
1: Absolutely, and I mean just to throw it out there, you know, this isn't necessarily going to be everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is going to enjoy that level of violence or brutality captured on camera here, Um, but it is the punisher. And I think the interesting thing as well, the second kind of final thing I kind of want to say is, this was not using guns. Um, And, you know, you could argue that there has been a sub-theme about guns and their use or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. This was the old-fashioned knuckles and, and hands. This was really primitive in, in, in its visceral, visceral nature, I Absolutely. think. yeah, yeah. But with that, onto some visceral feedback.
0: Yeah, if you want to send us in some feedback, as John mentioned earlier on, you can come on to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com and leave us a voicemail, or you can pop us over an email to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Uh, we have got a bit of feedback in through our Facebook group, which is, again, Facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. And the first piece of feedback is from Robert Phillips. He says, I think Sarah is a hugely understanding wife. To see her husband pretend to die not once but twice would earn most normal blokes more than a mile boxing around the ears and certainly not deserving a cuddle-up within hours. I like the use of the romantic interludes in Frank's unconscious spells to tie in his decisions about where his life was going. Slightly disappointed that Madani couldn't quite get Agent Orange behind bars. Perhaps she took a few minutes getting the team scrambled to allow Frank to save her the paperwork. Where next, though? Ernest won't be back from the dead, but Russo still needs tying up and a storyline for Series 2 laying out and only one more episode to go. Had a really nice call back there, Robert, to that point that Madani made to Billy Russo a few episodes ago where she could just let Frank take him down if that's what she wanted to do. Maybe that was something that she had in mind, but it didn't seem like it from those discussions that she was having with Micro. She did really want to get there and arrest both of these guys.
1: Yes, and uh, I think... Like Chris, you expect Sarah to see um, maybe do a bit of punching herself, a few more slaps at at Micro. It was, uh, she is hugely understanding. But I think, you know, maybe she's just glad to have him back as well. But I think, uh, yeah, really
0: good to see what happens to Billy Russo. Jeff Childs also commented, there must be a fake blood shortage after this episode. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, But we'll see what happens in episode 13
1: yes i think this is vying with titus andronicus the movie uh the adaptation of shakespeare's play for the most blood to be used uh on a film set or or
0: tv set i think so i think so Uh, thanks so much for that feedback and we did get one final piece of feedback from claire laffer one of our fellow defenders podcasters uh who says Stabby, stabby, squishy, squishy. That's her summation for the whole episode. Uh, and I think she's about right for that, for those scenes. Um, definitely a standout moment. Uh, thanks very much for all of your feedback. Uh, again, if you want to send feedback to us, just for the final episode, have one more week to go, and we'll be talking about episode 13, Memento Mori, next week.
1: Absolutely. And for the final uh, podcast, as well as for the previous episodes uh, in this our season of The Punisher over on Defenders TV Podcast. Please come on over, subscribe, rate us, leave a review, and, of course, share the love uh, by sharing the podcast. You can, of course, get us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other good podcast catcher uh, of your choice. Uh, Please just
0: search Defenders TV Podcast. Absolutely. We want to know whether Billy Russo gets away. What's the setup for season two? Will Frank get out of the hospital in time? Will John ever pronounce Billy Russo's name correctly? Will Chris's recording work for next week's finale? What do you think? What's Russo. going to happen? It's all to happen in the final episode. Looking forward to it next week.
1: As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll be back with you again next time. Uh, like Rollins, I'm off to Specsavers. <laughs> Bye.
0: I hear a lot of people stand to lose the glue, but I'm gonna tell you what to do When you ain't got no money, you got it.